It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Folks, your team oh. every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how eric crocker former nfl db is on the show today Longtime listeners will remember he was on the show a year or two ago I the all the years now blend together we've been doing this show long enough and covid has skewed all thoughts of of context and time and frames of reference so I, what day is it what year is it i don't know We will talk to him about the big news of the day, and that is the Packers are bringing back Kevin King on a one-year deal. Now, the original report was for $6 million. Do not believe that report, and and we will have... Not do not believe it, obviously. Uh, My guess, okay, and there may be more reporting that comes out between when I record this here uh, late on Tuesday night and Wednesday when you're listening to this, but it is likely some kind of one-year, $3 million deal. And then there's performance-based incentives, um, games played incentives, because that has been a problem for Kevin King in the past. There's probably interception incentives, Pro Bowl incentives, all of those things. It is a deal that if he does, in fact, become a $6 million player, if he makes all of that money, then in all likelihood, he earned that money by playing really well. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. And I I haven't seen much spin on this uh, in terms of like, oh, hey, this is actually a good signing for Green Bay. I don't think it's a bad signing. I think it's sort of a net neutral signing for a couple reasons. The first is this does not preclude the Packers from going out and signing another corner. In fact, when you go back to 2018, Brian Gutekind's first year as the GM, he re-signed Devon House coming off a sort of uninspiring season and someone who had never quite lived up to the full talent and potential that he had with some young corners on the roster. And then he went out and signed Tremont Williams to a deal that, frankly, at the time, seemed a little rich for someone like Tremont Williams. Now, he played up to that deal and was worth the dollars that that the Packers spent on him, no question. Uh, But the point of this is that Brian Gutekunst 
has already shown a willingness to do a deal like this Kevin King deal and then go out and add. I still believe Green Bay is going to add another corner between now and the start of the season. Part of the reason I believe that is they've not done anything yet with the Aaron Rodgers deal. Rob Domowski reported that they let that roster bonus fully vest. So they have not done anything with that. That was paid. There is still money in the banana stand, so to speak, with Aaron Rodgers. And Tom Pelissero from NFL Network had an interesting report where he suggested what Green Bay could, in fact, do is take money from future years, years where he is due more in base salary than he is in 2021, convert that somehow to bonus and spread that out. Now, that would be a more in-depth restructure than just a simple restructure where you advance that bonus money. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you're saying, hey, look, I want to make sure that that base salary in 2023 that you might not want to pay me, let's convert that money to bonus and spread it out so that now in 2023, that money, there's more on the cap for you to have to keep me through that period of time. That could be what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. And none of this stops us from continuing to perpetuate my theory that Rodgers wants the money to be used on a splash free agent. There are still guys out there. Richard Sherman is still out there. And the reason I think it's worth bringing up 2018, the Packers re-signed Devon House, an underwhelming, tall, lanky, somewhat stiff cornerback who had one good year of interception production, brought him back on a nothing deal, a prove it deal, And went out and signed a former Packer corner. Could history be repeated with Casey Hayward, who would be a terrific scheme fit for the Green Bay Packers? Also, none of this precludes the Packers from going out in the draft and drafting two, three rookie corners. And remember what happened in 2018. Devon House was the nominal starter. Jair Alexander you know, before Halloween was taking those reps. Now, Jair turned out to be a a, a terrific player. And most rookie corners are bad. He certainly had his ups and downs as well. But he turned out to be a really good player. He earned those reps. Kevin King got off to a bit of a slow starting camp, but all of a sudden... He's taking reps of the guys in front of him when when those guys were struggling. You you go back to when that happened, Quentin Rollins, and it's not like those guys were great players, but it's not like Kevin King is a great player either. This is not, by any means, handing him the starting job. Now, it will test Matt LaFleur's notion of everyone's got to compete. But remember, when Matt LaFleur first arrived and they draft Elton Jenkins right away in camp, He's splitting time with Lane Taylor. And Lane Taylor won that job, now continue to split times even in the games, and Lane Taylor gets hurt, but then comes back the next year and competes for a starting job again and wins that job. So then then got hurt, obviously, and and is now looking like he's going to move on. Malifleur has a track record here of saying just because you are under contract, just because you're being paid X does not mean the starting job is yours. And and Joe Barry, uh, Joe Barry has 
a blank slate on these guys. He doesn't know Kevin King from Adam. So he doesn't have loyalty to him. Not Jerry Gray knows Kevin King. But Joe Barry is theoretically going to play the guys. And you hope Matt LaFleur has emboldened him to play the guys he thinks give him the best chance to get stops. If it's not Kevin King, and it may be right away, then you have to play the other guys. If they go out and they draft a Greg Newsom or a Fatumeli Fanwu or a Sante Samuel or, you know, Trill Williams or one of these guys, and they come in and they play well enough to deserve to play, then you hope that they play. Now, the other thing that this allows them to do is it allows them to wait if they want on corner. Even though he is not, you know, by any means a stabilizing force in the secondary, he's probably going to play early on. So if you have someone that you love, like Trevon Merrig from TCU, who's going to play safety, he can play in the slot, you don't have to keep Shannon Sullivan. And frankly, you don't have to keep Kevin King. We don't know what this deal looks like. But Shannon Sullivan is on a right of first refusal tender. They can move on from Shannon Sullivan if if they get some guys they like in the draft or another player becomes available, there's no there's no money allocated to him guaranteed. It's not like a franchise tag where that money is is the cap. That is that is what the number is. And we don't know what King's number is in 2021, but presumably it's much lower than that $6 million figure and it may all be contingent on him making the team. I mean, that that's not crazy. Or it could be the kind of thing where he has some some veteran minimum base salary. He's got some, you know, $1.5 million base salary. And, you know, it's guaranteed if he makes the roster and then there's all these roster bonuses. Well, what if he doesn't make the, the final 53? Then, you know, no harm, no foul. We don't, we don't know. Now, what we do know is Kevin King's not a very uh, good football player right now. Uh, I went back and looked at coverage grades from pro football focus among corners who had at least 200 snaps in these seasons. In 2017, he was 123 out of 131. Okay, he's a rookie. 2018, when he started off the season pretty strong before getting hurt, 88th out of 135. 2019, 69th, nice, out of 138. And last year, 98 out of 141. He is a below average cornerback. Now, you know, there's there's 141 players. If every team, you know, you divide that by 32 because you have two starting boundary corners, he's still he's still a, a, a below replacement level starter. You know, if we think, OK, the top 64 guys are starting caliber players. Mm, that's not great. And if you expand it and say, OK, well, every team really needs three. Then you go 96. Well, last year, he was a backup caliber player. 2018, he was borderline. And 2017, he was a backup. And, and by the way, in 2017, he was a backup. So I don't, I don't think this really changes anything about how Green Bay approaches their offseason. The last thing I want to say about this before we get to Croc is it should be mentioned that his teammates are... Very happy that he's back and and publicly supported him on social media. And I got some responses when I mentioned that on social that like, well, what are they supposed to say? Well, they could say nothing. They could say nothing. They don't have to say anything. 
I'm, there have been plenty of players over the years who have been re-signed by their team or signed with a new team. And you know what has been on social media? Nothing. Because you know what? No one cares. Or worse, no one likes that guy. We don't know. Now, that doesn't mean he's a good football player, but the fact that his teammates like him, that his coaches like him enough to have, and my position on this has been clear, I thought Josh Jackson outplayed him while King was hurt. And yet when King got healthy, he got right back out there and Josh Jackson is a healthy scratch. That speaks to what they think about Kevin King. Devontae Adams has raved about Kevin King, his practice habits, and the work that he puts in. There is stuff that we must not be seeing, and, and certainly they think he's a guy that, that we don't see, that I don't see, that fans don't seem to see. So this is one of those things that I, I don't think we can we can just say, well, we have to wait and see. No, th- this, is, this is a puzzling decision. Now, on the other hand, when we see the final numbers, my guess is what we will see is a team that protected itself. That if he earns all those $6 million, it's because he played well and he deserved that money. And if he doesn't, it's because he didn't. And you're probably going to have a rookie or two and or the veteran that they inevitably do sign. And again, I do think they're going to sign someone else. That guy usurped his spot as well. So I don't think this needs to be a signal that, oh, this is all they're, they're going to do and they're going to run it back and all that stuff. No, I don't think that's the deal. And so I, I just don't think that is the perspective that we should have on what this deal means for the team moving forward. I think it means that he's going to come back with a chance to compete for the starting job and that that is not a, a done deal. Because once we see the, the structure of this, there are going to be incentives. It's going to be incumbent upon him to have to meet those incentives and nothing is going to be handed to him if Matt LaFleur's track record is any indication. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing protein bar, all covered with 100% chocolate. And we are doing a bracket the Built Bar Bracket. Today's matchup is a delicious one. Cookies and cream versus coconut almond. All the coconut flavors are awesome. And it is being reflected in the bracket. There have not been major coconut upsets. And that's because Built Bar does coconut like nobody else. I will say the cookies and cream, which is my wife's favorite flavor. She also loves the Built Bar. So... This is, this is a tough one for me. If you want to have your voice be heard on this, go to BuiltBar.com or go to Built underscore Bar on Twitter and let us know. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number 
number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. All right, let's get to my conversation with Eric Crocker, former NFL defensive back, also played in the AFL. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Croc, thanks for coming on Locked On Packers. Yeah, man, thanks for thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys having me on. Anytime, I feel like I'm behind enemy lines right now. <laughs> well, it, it may, maybe like a year ago, that would have been a little bit more contentious, a little bit more on the on the minds of Packer fans. But I'm sure as soon as the season starts and, and the 49ers are good again, uh, we'll be right back at it. So so don't worry about that part of it. Um, I uh, I wanted to have you on because Green Bay is is very much in the market for corners, um, even before they. they they re-signed Kevin King. There, there were reports that they were looking at some of the mid-level corners in this free agency class. And I, I did prep you a little bit before we came on and said, hey, you know, we weren't going to talk about Kevin King because I thought he was going to be out the door and he's back. So can you just, it just sort of serendipitous. I wrote a piece early or in the middle of the season about, hey, explain to me what Kevin King is doing on this play. And you were sort of like, mm, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. can you just give me your impressions of of his play and, and his progress from from college? Because I know you watched him as a prospect as well. So, OK, so there's two two sides to this. It's one, kind of how I evaluated him coming out. And then, you know, and we'll get into kind of what I look for in cornerbacks. But you have to understand, like, how to play to your help. Or, you know, how to limit, like, where your limitations are, you have to figure out a way to kind of, like, disguise them or hide them a little bit of one that, like, make it as not as much of a weakness. So when Kevin King was coming out, everybody was really high on him. And I think people get blown away by, oh, 6'3", 200 pounds, like, this long athletic cornerback. And me, like, I don't care about any of that. My main thing is, can this guy cover? And a lot of times when you have guys his size, their movements at times are just like just a little too long. Now, if you are someone like Kevin King and, and you're that long body type, <clears throat> excuse me, the one thing that you have to make sure that you do is have really good anticipation. So when you look at a guy like Richard Sherman, right, like, you know, Richard Sherman, he's a, he's a decent athlete. I think people kind of downplay how athletic he was like he ran the combine like in the four or fives but he, he's not like as bad as, as an athlete as people try to make it seem well in his prime well you know Richard Sherman did a really good job of being able to play ahead with his mind and understand concepts and routes and what people were trying to do to him he knew the weaknesses of that defense right so um now rewind back to Kevin King when he was coming out the one thing I noticed really long long movements you know not as sudden or twitchy will have you know, a tough time with certain type of, um, you know, route runners. But, hey, if he can get his anticipation down, he'll be solid. It, but that, that's a huge kind of projection a little bit. Um, we've seen with the Packers, it's just kind of really been up and down for him. Mm -hmm. You know, with someone who possesses a lot of talent, you know, he's just really kind of hit and miss. Whether his eyes are, you know, in the wrong spot. You know, there are plays where he, he makes plays on the ball. But I just thought, like... A lot of the big plays that he's given up, and you know we can uh, two off the top of my head, the the one that George Kittle um, uh, on the big like 80, 70 yard touchdown or whatever it was yep. in the uh, uh, primetime game or whatever a couple years ago, like 
things like that can be prevented if you just understand how to play to like your weakness, whether it's your physical ability or in, you know, your weakness in the coverage that there is, right? And he didn't protect his inside and got turned around by George Kittle, right? So you had that. But then in the in the what is it in the, the NFC championship, championship game, game yep. against Tampa Tampa and like when you're doing things like this this late in your career it's really hard to 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 like you know make an excuse for him right to justify it and when i say like late in his career i mean he's still like you know obviously he's just getting his second contract but you know you have to understand one down in distance what is the team trying to do that you're playing against and the way he played that, I just, there's no way that anyone can justify to me that he played that the right way. One, I, I feel like they either had no timeouts or one timeout. And we're talking about really late um, in the second half. And, you know, the, yeah, so either no timeouts or one timeout. And he let Scotty Miller, or whatever, Nick Miller. Yep, the, Scotty the, Miller. The little receiver, yeah, from um, Tampa, get outside. That should have never happened. Should have never been able to get outside of you because at the end of the day, you want to protect the boundary, right? Like, you want to make sure, like, he can't catch the ball, get out of bounds, and get in better field goal range. So not only did he not protect his outside leverage, but he let the guy get on top of him to where, like, he had no idea where he was. He got in, Scotty Miller got into his blind spot. And once he got into his blind spot, it's like, now I'm just kind of guessing. And he's keying the quarterback way too much. Forget the quarterback right now. Like, you have this guy running vertical on you, and you have no idea where he's at. I, I would expect things like that from a rookie, not by somebody going into, you know, about to enter his fifth year. You know, like we, we can't like those things can't happen. So I'm pretty sure if I've noticed it on, you know, a few different occasions, I bet Packer fans notice it far more than even I do, um, you know, because you got to watch them every week. So yeah. with him, I, again, I had more kind of issues with just his movement skills. And I didn't necessarily care too much for him when he was coming out. And then now if you're not getting the, the mental part of everything down, then you're you're just going to be. You're going to be really inconsistent. He's going to make some plays because he's an athlete. But then there's going to be other times where he just gives up stuff and you guys are going to be like, what the heck just happened? Well, there's been a lot of that over the last four years. So you're you're, you're, you're dead on there. So let's talk about this this scheme change that, that that the Packers are making. They're bringing in Joe Barry, presumably to try and bring in more of these Vic Fangio concepts, something that, you know, the, the 49ers were running for a while um, and and giving the Packers problems in playoff games with the, the a lot of the too high safety, the, the pre-snap disguise, but they're in zone coverage most of the time. So if you were just going to put together traits of a corner who's going to succeed in this style of defense, what does that corner look like? Was it Ken Kendall Fuller, Kyle Fuller, the one that just was released by the yep, Bears? Kyle Fuller. Um, yeah, Kyle Fuller. He I know they're brothers. I just get them mixed up all the time. He he would he's excellent. That type of body style, that type of, you know, ability to react. You know, if you go back to the 49ers, even when they were really good with, you know, Fangio in that time, the corners weren't these big physical, you know, imposing cornerbacks you had Terrell Brown who was probably like 5'10 190 and on the other side of him you had like Tremaine Brock who you know he's maybe 5'10 190 like they, they weren't these big guys but they were guys who could play off coverage have really good feet be able to read and react and the same thing that their eyes are seeing their body is able to catch up to that and react and they were able to make plays on the ball like they weren't these big physical guys because a lot of times guys like that 
aren't as good playing off coverage. You know, you can look at Richard Sherman and people are like, oh, he's a zone corner. But if you watch how Seattle played and how even how Sherman played a lot with the 49ers, they play a lot of press at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, they're responsible for an entire third, but they're able to play it more from a press standpoint. And, and that helps a guy with those longer movements like that. So Kevin King, them signing Kevin King to and asking him to play in that type of defense, I, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make sense to, to me. He's not typically the type of corner I will go after to play in that style of defense. And, unless maybe I'm missing something and maybe he is better like mentally because the one thing, if you're if you're playing off with a long guy like that, he better be really good with what he's seeing, his eyes and his anticipation. Because if he's wrong, then he's he's going to be really wrong because he's not going to be able to react um, to him kind of messing up. He's not going to be able to just play out there and react. Like he, he doesn't have those type of movement skills from what I've seen. That's one thing that that I'm wondering about with this draft class because there are a lot of big, long press corners in this draft. And I don't know that that's necessarily the way that Green Bay wants to go. I look at someone like Asante Samuel Jr., and he is undersized based on what Green Bay normally wants. 5'10", flat, 180, um, didn't put together you know any sort of outstanding numbers. But you look at him on the field, his ability to read and react, his ability to whether it's um, you know cover three, cover four, cover they play some cover six at Florida State. And and key the quarterback could be the kind of thing where they go, yeah, well, let's just hang our our profile. This guy can play for us. What do you see with Asante Samuel Jr.? Yeah, so somebody with his skill set, I think he'd be perfect. You know, I had some questions with Asante Samuel when I initially dove into his film, and I'm like, well, they're only playing them to the field. Um, you know, he's not playing much boundary at all. Um, when they got inside, it was, I was watching Clemson from 2019 and they got inside the 10 yard line. They would take him out completely. And I'm like, man, what the heck? Like to me, it's like, oh, he's screaming nickel. Like he's a nickel guy. But then as I continued to watch more games, even from that year and going into 2020, I'm like, oh man, he's much more than just a nickel. Um, he is able to play, you know, um, field or boundary. Um, they play them a lot in the red zone. I thought he competed at the high point with bigger receivers. But, you know, to answer your question about, like, the style in which he plays, he fits that. Like, the one thing that jumped out to me, there was one play near the end zone where he just was really just reacting. It wasn't like, you know, I talked about, like, longer guys having to have better anticipation. There was no anticipation with this. It was just, you're running at me, I'm off. And I'm just going to react. So a guy gave him like a double move and he stepped this way, stepped that way and was able to, you know, squeeze the receiver and close. And a lot of people, they might not think anything of that. But to me, I look at plays like that and I'm like, oh, man, he really trusts his feet. He really trusts his ability to read and react a guy in the open field like that. That's tough to do. So, you know, when I think of a coverage like that, you know, or a defense like that, where he would play, you know, primarily, you know, off coverage with too high safety. I think he's somebody that's perfect like that. And he's physical. I thought he was one of the best tackling cornerbacks in this class, if not the best. Um, you know, he goes out of his way to make tackles and everything. He's definitely not the biggest of guys. And but I think the Packers of all people, fan bases, organization, they'll probably tell you, hey, look, I, I, we have this guy who's probably barely five foot ten, but he's one of the best corners in this league, and we can play him and line him up all over. So the height, that, that doesn't, that doesn't, if you can cover, you can cover. And I think when you look at Asante Samuel, I think him playing some nickel there, like that's just added value, but definitely depending on the scheme, you can put him on the ice outside as well. 
I, I know that that you are a fan of J.C. Horn, and I, I, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and and I was on, on his his pro day Zoom and came away just as impressed with with the guy and the way that he carried himself off the field as I as I did on the field. Can you can you preach the gospel of J.C. Horn a little bit? Oh yeah, um, I, I love J.C. Horn. Um, you know, a lot of times, and I tell people all the time, like when I, when I go into watch somebody's film, like I, I don't, I don't look at their their height, their weight, their speed, and whatever. Like I just want the film to tell me who this guy is. And mm-hmm. when you watch that, like the film with J.C. Horn tells you everything you need to know about what type of player this guy is, where his mentality is at. You know, he's definitely an alpha male. Like, that's the first thing that jumped out to me. I think one of the first games I watched this year was, like, him against Tennessee. And they're trying to push him around, and he's, like, shoving them back. He's not letting them, like, bully him or push him around. And it's like, nah, like, like I'm the alpha on this. It's almost like when dogs, if you let dogs go, and then, like, the dogs are kind of barking at each other, and they're trying to see who's going to back down first. Well, a lot of guys were back down. He ain't back down, and he kind of took the fight to him. So that, that was good to see just the, that type of mentality. And then to watch him take on challenges. You know, a lot of guys in, in, in college, and maybe their coaches don't ask him to do it, but he told them, from what I've been told, hey, I'm going Seth Williams all game. Like, that's their best player. Like, I'm going him all game. And sometimes, like, you need guys like that. I remember back, and I kind of kicked myself to this day, for my senior year, there was this guy that was like going off on the other side of the field, but I, I played left corner. This guy was on the right side or he was playing in the slot. They kept him away from me. I felt like that was my opportunity to just be like, hey, I'm going to guard him no matter where he goes. And I just never did it. But JC Horn, you don't have to worry about that with him. He's going to take on those type of challenges. And hey, I might lose some. He lost one rep. Nobody ever talks about it, but he, he got beat on the post. I don't know what he was doing from off coverage. He got beat on the post by Seth Williams, but the rest of the game, he made life hell for not just Seth Williams, but Auburn in general, you know, um, making several plays on the ball. Uh, he forced three turnovers. He actually picked off two of them. Another one, he knocked away and popped in the air. He tackled great. Like, you know, he was aggressive from that standpoint. Um, I don't know how many times they tried him in the end zone, but he broke up several passing plays there. You know, his his mind is right. You know, you go back to 2019, him playing against Alabama, and there was a play on the goal line. You see him getting everybody set up, him communicating with everybody. They tried to high-low him. He was at the line of scrimmage. He took away the flat route, flipped his hips, opened up, and then knocked, o- knocked away a pass that um, behind him, like, to an- another uh, receiver. Like, just him, you you see, like, he has a good IQ. He understands this. He has the alpha male mentality. Like, he is versatile. Is, is he somebody I would like to play in a primarily off coverage? I, I would say no. But he, he can play it. It just wouldn't be like my first, you know, to put him in a scheme like what the Packers are going to or like, you know, Fangio on what he's doing. I, I, that wouldn't be my first thought for him. But just in, in the sense of just kind of what he brings and his work ethic. And then what I'm hearing, like I was on the Jets with the running back and he was their the strength and conditioning coach for the last few years for South Carolina. And he would tell me about some of these dudes. And he told me about J.C. Horn and how he showed up from day one and how he, he was a leader in that locker room as a true freshman. You know, those things, you can't you can't teach that. There's a lot of right. things you can teach. But some sometimes when a guy has that type of mentality, that type of alpha male, like, you know, uh, uh, confidence about himself, you can't teach that. Just like, uh, you know, Jair Alexander. Jair, Jair Alexander, the way that he plays and with the tenacity and the confidence and the swagger, you can't teach that, you know, like it's just something special. And I think J.C. Horn, he has that that special trait as well. 
Yeah, you're you're speaking my language on this. He may I I don't know that I've ever seen uh, a corner do to a, a, a receiver who's going to play in the NFL, who's going to be like a top 150 pick, just like give up. Like he just ate yeah. Seth Williams alive. And by the end of the game, Seth Williams didn't want to play anymore. Like that's what that's what JC did to him. And from then on, I'm just like, okay, this is my guy. Um I and not I, just against him. I mean, people they, they again they I know everybody talks about that game, but he he played against Florida and he covered Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Pitts quite a bit. Yep. Yeah, one game, I mean, one play, he just like threw Kyle Pitts to the ground in coverage. Kyle Pitts did have one catch on him down the sideline, which was a really good catch. It was, it was heavily contested. Kyle Pitts, six foot, six foot six, I mean, possibly top 10 pick, so he's going to get his. But uh, Horn was targeted about four more times, three or four more times, and he blanked him on all those. And he, you know, he was lining up where, okay, you're here, right here in a tight split, or you got your hand in the ground, like, I'm going to guard you from here. And he did a terrific job. And again, people don't really point out that game. They talk about the Auburn game. But I think just in general, man, like, he's just a big dog and has that type of mentality and kind of shows a little bit more, you know, versatility as well. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, just as an aside, he got Patrick Sertan for a touchdown. He got JC on one. Like he 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 got basically all these top dudes that he went against. Uh, he's really really good. Um, as as we uh, finish up here, I want to close on this. Um, I, I think Green Bay is is going to be looking early at a corner. Asante Samuel, a name I mentioned. I, I think Greg Newsom is another one that stands out to me as a terrific fit. If you were going to match one of these guys with Green Bay, and it doesn't have to be even in the first round, you might really like the value. I like the value of the day two guys. I think there's some really good corners on day two. Who who do you think would be the sort of perfect fit? If for whatever reason, Greg Newsom is there or close to your pick and you can trade up to get him or whatever you have to do, get Greg Newsom. I love his film. Um, I have him as the my CB2 wow. in this class behind J.C. Horn. Um, I think the world of him, his ability to play off, you know, I talked about being able to read and react with your feet and just kind of play without anticipation. I mean, he can play with anticipation, anticipation, but when you can play without anticipation and your feet just do all the thinking for you and the moving for you, he can do that very well. He can test passes at the catch point. You know, I think he has good ball skills. Um, he's a good tackler, but not only can he play off, which, you know, like I think probably a lot of what he did at, at Northwestern with maybe some of the things that the Packers are kind of yep. going towards doing, but he can play press as well. And he's just as good at playing press as he is playing off. I really think like, if you're just talking about from a skill set standpoint, I think he's the most And and you start talking about, you know, his 40 time as fast as he ran and still having decent size. Like I think he's the most well-rounded cornerback in this class to where I don't feel like there's anything that he can't do and do very well. You know, and it's funny, you know, I'm talking to you guys and, you know, this is a Packers um, podcast, but my, when I'm watching him, I'm like, oh, Jair Alexander, <laughs> like that, that's what it looked like just with the confidence that he played with and everything. And then for him to go out and run in the four threes, crazy thing is he's a little bit taller and on film, he didn't look tall like that, but you know, he measured in at six foot one ninety two, yep. I believe it was. So he has that size, um, has the speed. I think everything was good. I, I think his, his change of direction, like his burst out of his breaks, could be a little a little better. But but I'm nitpicking though. I'm nitpicking on that. Um, but aside from that, like if if the Packers can get him, that's a that's a win because I, I love his film and and I think there is a chance that he kind of goes a little bit later. You know, there's a lot. You know, there's there's a good amount of corners in this class where you know 
other people might take or whatever. But for my money, like behind JC Horn, I, I want I want him. I want him any day of the week for sure. I uh, it is worth noting that when he was asked, I believe by Stacy Dales at his pro day, which which NFL cornerback uh, he watches and most admires, first name out of his mouth was Jair Alexander. So not not surprising. Wow. Um, let my let my listeners know where they can form find more of this of the stuff that you do because I know you're doing a lot uh, during draft season, breaking down film, having these these really cool live meetups where you're, where you're doing it sort of live. So so where can people find the work that you're doing? Yeah, so so um, first, you know, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. And, you know, most of what I put out is, for the most part, just wide receiver, defensive back content. Every once in a while, like, I'll start talking about a quarterback only because 49ers, it looks like we <laughs> need one, like our quarterback can stay healthy. But um, aside from that, like, more, you know, wide receiver, defensive back stuff. Um, I have a Patreon account, which, like, you know, I think it's worth it to, to sign up for that. Um, I've all these like defense backs that I'm talking about right now. Like there's full on breakdowns about them. like Greg Newsom. He has like a 12 minute, you know, uh, video breaking down like his strengths, you know, areas where he can improve, you know, the things I like. And a lot of things I'm talking about, you'll be able to get like a visual evidence of that on him. Asante Samuel, uh, uh, Patrick Sertain, JC Horn. Um, I have teach tape videos that I put out, like, all those, all those things are all on there. I talk about receivers on there as well, like, and I'll post teach tape stuff. So, um, patreon.com slash crock talk. That's where you guys can find that. And then I have the crock report, crock report.com where we, you know, it's a team of us and uh, like a lot of great, uh, draft content on there as well. Very knowledgeable guys. So those are all the places you guys can find me, man. Um, but yeah, shoot, shoot me a follow. All right. I want to thank crock again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. Um, and a lot of good, a lot of good insight there. We're going to talk more about this draft class coming up next week. Um, when we do our, our off season report card series, I have studied, uh, most of the top guys and, and we'll get through the rest of the tape here in the next few days, certainly over the weekend. Um, and, and by the time we get back next week, I will have formulated opinions on most of the guys we expect to go mm, certainly in the top 50. But but hopefully closer to like the top hundred. If we're talking about deep sleepers, I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, that's the reality of having a small child. And so um, I apologize, but I get questions, you know, every once in a while about, hey, do you, what do you think about, you know, the the nickel corner from McNeese State? And I I, I haven't seen him. So it, when, if you're going to ask me those questions about a little known prospect, send me some, send me a YouTube, send me a clip. Give me something to work with here, and, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion as best as I can give it. But I don't want to give an un, uninformed take. And and some of you might be shaking your head like, isn't that what you do all the time? But believe it or not, I do put a lot of work into this stuff. And I, I like to try and know what I'm talking about when I talk about these players, which is why I study the way that I do. So, you know, let give me a chance to do that, and um, that'll be great. We can... Uh, have some fun talking prospects. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. 